0: Thank you for joining us on part two of Jenny Garrett's podcast and this um, podcast we'll be finding out how Jenny got to where she is now and the challenges she currently faces and also we'll be discussing how to encourage people to talk about the awkward subjects of money, uh, money within their relationships um, and just really how to encourage that conversation. We'll also be discussing breaking gender stereotypes and wellness within the workplace.
1: So I'm I'm interested to go back a little way. So you talked at the beginning about setting up your own business. Um, I think it'd be interesting for listeners to the podcast just to understand your journey um, to being in a position of control and running your own business and deciding. So where did your career actually start and, yeah. and, and, and how? what were the sort of two or three key steps that led you to where you are today?
2: Okay, so my passion was in marketing and I had a senior marketing roles. I really, really loved marketing. And my final role before I um, started my own business was in a leading business school. Um, uh, they're an international business school and I was responsible for their marketing. And a colleague who's now a really good friend, Friend just knocked on my office door one day and said, Where next? Where are you going with your career? And I thought, I'm here. <laughs> I've
1: arrived. <laughs> this what conversation could go in two <laughs> directions. Yeah, yeah. Where,
2: where do you think I'm going? Um, and she said, No, you could get a bigger budget or a bigger team elsewhere. Um, that didn't appeal to me. My daughter was very little, and the business school was only about 15 minute drive from my home. So, lifestyle wise, I was really happy to be where I was. I didn't want to go and get a bigger budget, a bigger team somewhere else Because I thought the travelling involved wouldn't suit me, and then she said, "How about training people in marketing?" She said, "You know that could be really good on some of our leadership programs." At the time, I was absolutely terrified of public speaking. I'd get sweaty palms, knees would knock, my voice would quiver, I couldn't remember what I'd have to say. So I said to her, "Well, I'm not going to be able to do that." Um, even though that's something I do regularly now, I've done two TED talks. You know, um, I'm I'm really love public speaking but at that point it wasn't what I what I did and then she said to me what about coaching she said faculty come into your office they come away motivated and with actions she said you've got some natural coaching skills um and I thought oh uh, yeah maybe that could be something that could be of interest um I've always been a person who loves to learn so, give me a training course and I'm happy to take it. So, I thought at the very least, I'll have something else on my CV, a coaching qualification, which is really portable. Um, even now, I wonder if really I was just being flattered because I had this L shaped office, and what faculty could do, they could come in and hide in my office. No one could find them. They'd be in the sort of end bit of the L. People would see me, but they wouldn't know that they were hiding in the corner. So, they'd get some quiet time. But anyway, I attended a coaching program. And for anyone who's been on a coaching program, if it's a good coaching program, they're quite transformational, actually. They help you look at yourself, what's important to you, uh, help you think about your own life, as well as that power to help people have their own light bulb moments. So I attended an eight month program, came back to working and uh, I sort of said, I want to be a coach. I don't want to do marketing anymore. Uh, And I felt a bit stuck, to be honest. They said, you can start to coach on some of our leadership programs, but your job here is marketing. (laughs) Don't you forget it. Um, And I thought, oh, I I don't want to do this anymore. So I got some coaching myself and my coach helped me hatch this plan, um, go down to four days a week uh, in my job. And on the fifth day, see if I could actually really enjoy coaching. Will anyone pay me to do it? Are there any clients out there? Uh, Could it really suit me to do this work? So I set myself a target financially and, and said, if I could earn this much in my one day, then I'll be able to take the leap into running my own business. Um, and within a year, I was freelance. And yeah, that's a good 13 years now. And it's evolved from providing just one-to-one coaching to leadership development to then writing my book and providing talks and uh, yeah, going globally, uh, really talking to groups of women and, and female and leaders uh, about how they can prove their organisations. Yeah. And writing a book was a big turning point for me because that sort of opened up the sort of media to me as well um, to regularly speak on Sky News and on BBC Radio about really important um, issues that are close to my heart, particularly around women and the workplace. And I don't think they would have been open to me in the same way if I hadn't written my book.
0: Yeah, yeah. And do you want to tell the people, if they do want to read your book, what's it called?
2: Yes, yeah, so it's called Rocking Your Role, and it's a guide to success for women who are the main earner in their home. Yes. And you can get that on Amazon. Amazon and all good bookshops, yes.
1: <laughs> so you you mentioned uh, the one manager who stuck her head around the door and mm. said, you know, what's next? Mm. Um, I'm interested in your experience of... of working with leaders who's the best leader or manager you've ever worked with and what made them the best was it that person because they challenged you to think differently about your future or was it somewhere else in your career
2: still at the same business school I had a leader called uh, Gene Haran, who now lives in America and he was the most amazing supporter of me um, often, you know what I said, this idea of someone says something to you and your reaction to it impacts how they feel. I would say anything about what I wanted to do in the world and he'd say, yeah, share your vision and it's going to happen. He was that kind of person. He didn't ever uh, minimize you. He didn't ever say, I don't think you could do that or I don't think it's possible for you. Instead, he encouraged everyone to think Big and just realize their potential. And for me, he was really the best leader. And whatever I said I wanted to do, he'd say, Come on, let's think about how we can make that happen. Let's encourage you to have some steps around that. It was down to you to do it, but he never made you smaller. He never encouraged he never ever criticized or looked at your faults. Instead, he said, Yeah, let's look at your potential, let's look at what you're good at, let's realize it. And he was just a very amazing person at doing that um uh, he was very thoughtful he was really interesting he's a prolific writer um uh, but he was just great at bringing out the best in people so uh, i never forget him as a person who really started me on my journey but it's taken and i think that often happens for women it takes someone to often pat you on the shoulder and say i see this in you um you know i think you can do that and, um it doesn't always they don't always realize the Wonderful qualities and skills they have in themselves. And so I'd encourage you, you know, any leader, any man ambassador, any woman ambassador. To, to notice people and give them positive feedback. Just to say, you did a really good job here or I've noticed you're really good at doing this thing because it often takes someone to kind of reflect back at you what you're good at for you to think, oh, I could do more. I could really uh, use these skills and qualities. Not everyone has them.
0: You're talking about encouraging others. I think one of the things I see a lot on social media is a lot of women saying, look, you know, instead of um, being negative about a woman, just encourage mm. women more you know mm. say something positive yes. and i think that's also the case in the, in the workplace we need mm. to be more supportive of each other in the workplace and encourage people to try things
2: yes i think um it, a senior woman in the workplace you're, you're often in such a minority yeah. and it's so isolating and then you might have people looking up at you um you know thinking oh gosh, that person, maybe they work so hard or I wouldn't want their job. I wouldn't want to have to do what they do. So they might get that critique and then they might be isolated in terms of their perspective in the boardroom as well. And so it can feel quite lonely. And so just a kind and supportive word, genuine, you know, genuine feedback can be so helpful. um, Because even Um, what I heard you say earlier about around um, a woman in your workplace who uh, you know is a real role model to others that can be exhausting to be that you know often in a very small pool of women always being asked to kind of represent your gender or be that role model or be that ambassador and actually those people really do need encouragement because uh, it can it can be b- burnout. It can lead to burnout because you're doing all of that on top of your day What's job day as job? well. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's it's a challenging role, and I'm sure uh, you know most of the time women really want to do this, but it's it's on top of all of the other things that we have. As I said, maybe doing most of the housework, maybe doing most of the caring as well. Um, and and so yeah, we really need to encourage each other. Just one thing on that. There's um, in terms of unconscious bias there is uh, research that says that women and men are more biased against female leaders so you know when women are in more senior positions where women are biased against each other in those positions as well as men thinking well you know um, manager means leader or uh, sorry manager means male um, for example and so we have to be really careful about that bias that we experience and
0: when I've spoken to female leaders one of the hard things that they uh, find is the way that they made the a message mm. is perceived as differently to than the same message being delivered by a man. Yes, and so how do you cope with that? Do you get harder you know with the reaction to it how do we change that perspective within the working environment that actually it's the same message but it's from a woman so it doesn't mean
2: that you know you know she's a bitch for saying it where it may not be seen like that as a man yes so there's a a, there's different ways to go about this I I do talk to women about thinking about how they craft their message but really you know this shouldn't be about fixing women and I think if you hear someone say, "Oh, I don't like the way they that someone said that," I think it's up to you to say, "If you heard it from a man, would you react in the same way?" So I think it's about us challenging each other to think, uh, you know, or even asking ourselves, "If I heard a man say that, how would I feel? If I wouldn't mind if he said that, then why should I mind if she did?" And so there's a bit of unpacking for us in the, in the way that we the way that we hear things and and. Uh, Um, acknowledge them Um, I have definitely I know that years ago a woman came into an event I went uh, went to she said hi my name is and I'm the best stylist you'll ever meet she said to me I remember thinking oh my gosh who does she (laughs) think she is you know Um, and then later on thinking well why why is that a bad thing she believes she's the best stylist I'll ever meet it was very memorable to me because um, I, you know, I can quote it now and actually she was bigging herself up and that's a good thing so us, you know, we have to question ourselves when we get taken aback when a woman actually promotes herself or says something great about herself when actually if a man said it we'd just go, oh, okay, you know so, yeah, some work to be done for all of us
1: Yeah, I'm not sure I would react that no. way when a <laughs> man and said, I'm the best you'll ever meet but, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I wanted to go back you you, you touched earlier on about um people's relationship with money and Mm. and money in relationships Mm. and that notion of working for for pin money, even if you're in a a, a senior leadership role. Mm. So, and obviously within Global Payroll, it's one of the things I think is so fascinating about the work that we do is how central it is to people's lives in terms of the the way they're paid and, and what they then choose to do with that money and their relationship with money. So what's been... Your experience, do you have some, some thoughts to share about how people get more comfortable talking about money and if they are the primary breadwinner? How do they How do they deal with that? Um, and, and I think you mentioned there was one person, you didn't finish the story, there was somebody who said it was three very dark years. Mm. Did that lead them to stop being the, the primary breadwinner or did something change in the family dynamic that the other person was then earning more? So just curious if you could expand on that a little bit because I thought that was an mm. interesting area. Yeah,
2: it is interesting. On that particular, um, the relationship broke down and that's what does happen sometimes. People's relationships break down and they make sure that in the future they're not in a relationship where they're the breadwinner because they haven't been able to make it work so so sometimes there are some not very positive stories other times it's about people having just having more conversations um, the, the if you think about um, our lives when we're growing up, um, particularly in the UK, I was told lots of fairy tales and there was going to be some handsome prince who was going to rescue me <laughs> and take me off on his white horse. And, um, and then these are then perpetuated through our life. And it, uh, it means that we have a full sense of what it means, I think, to be in, in a relationship. You know, men actually having to take on this role as bread, of breadwinner, even when it might not suit them. And women not taking on that role, even when it might not suit them. Um, And I think it's about us reinventing the fairy tales of our lives, um, whatever that means for us. And so it means to have more conversations and really unpack a bit what you expect the truth is that in any relationship now um most most relationships both people need to work and that's not always the case but it is quite often particularly in London where properties are really expensive but also that um because women are more highly educated and more women are doing degrees than men that if you decide to get a degree you often want to use that and uh, if you if you want to use that then often that might mean that you're going to earn a considerable salary. Um, and uh, if men are not taking degrees at the same to the same level then they might not end up being the main earner so there's a bit of unpacking about what you expect from your relationship in in terms of money what you bring to your relationship apart from money because it's not all about money Um, so thinking you know I might not bring uh, the the most finance but what what else is it that I bring Um, I uh, did a talk a while back and uh, there was a man who wasn't the main earner uh, and he was the main carer as well as doing some some work and he said I'm the McLaren pit stop she comes in I buffer up her wheels and she goes out again he decided and understood what he saw as his role and I think once you understand what your role is and what you bring to the relationship then I think you can make it work but you do have to have conversations and you do have to have conversations about money and otherwise it derails things but we avoid it because chores in-laws and money are the things that cause us to have most arguments in a relationship
0: I've I've spoken to a few women um, in senior positions who are married or have partners and I've asked them how do they cope with um, being the main breadwinner and maybe not being at home very often. So almost like how you would see the stereotypical job role or the role in the house reversed mm-hmm. so um and a, and a lot of people I've spoken to the husbands are house husbands mm-hmm. um or they have um not so demanding jobs and it seems to work and I've said how how does your husband feel about it and they're like they are fine yes. <laughs> Yeah, they are fine and it's actually like why why does the man have to be the breadwinner mm-hmm. and why does the man you know what's wrong with the man staying at home looking after the house looking after the children or maybe not having it as a demanding job because a uh, you know, a demanding job doesn't suit everyone, no, male or female. Absolutely. Um, where I think, where in my father's age, I think they they had to have the demanding job, really. So it's the, it's reverse reversing the roles slightly, isn't
2: it? Yeah. Some and and giving men freedom actually because, uh, say, uh, you know, some of the women that I speak to, maybe their partner is more um, artistic mm. or has roles where it's a contract here and a contract there. And they have that opportunity to pursue something that they love as well, rather than thinking, Oh, I've got to go into this job day in, day out that I hate because this is the role I have to fulfill in life. So I think we can all be happier as a result. And I think it's great for children as well to see, um, women in great roles and, and men, uh, breaking those gender stereotypes so they feel that they can do what they want as well. They have the freedom to do that.
1: Yeah. There's a lovely flip side to that as well. So, um, if you are uh, a male caregiver and you're, 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 for example, taking the kids to Monkey Music or mm-hmm. to, and it's a predominantly female environment, that's quite a that's quite a fun experience as a, as a dad to go mm-hmm. into that environment because it can cause quite some consternation. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a, it's there is a broader. Society development and, and and change and challenge, but I was, I was very interested in that specific advice about how people talk about it and mm-hmm. deal with it. And and you know, my one of you, you talk about artistic. One of my best friends is a, is a, a writer, and mm-hmm. and and so he's been able to combine that with being a, a stay at home dad mm-hmm. whilst his wife's become a very successful solicitor and, and lawyer. So mm-hmm. it, it is possible, but it requires just such open communication uh, around. Um, assignment of tasks yes. and responsibilities, and the difficulties that both partners will experience mm. in a um, in an environment that perhaps still is a little countercultural. Yes. So the, yeah. the female in the workplace, the man mm. in the the, the child environment, still throws back issues yes. uh, even to this day
2: and I think uh, you know what you're saying uh, is so true I think either men are seen when they're, when they're not uh, w- you know when they go to what's it called monkey puzzle monkey,
1: monkey, monkey music uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a brand it's yeah. a franchise I've right. probably <laughs> named something I shouldn't <laughs> yeah. have done but, so, but when they go any to airy parent toddler group yes or, any of yeah.
2: those groups it's either you're very exotic oh my goodness aren't you amazing or sometimes a bit of suspicion why are you here why you know <laughs> so it, 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 exactly in the same way that it can be for a woman to, to be in the boardroom it's you know why are you here that sort of thing oh, oh isn't it wonderful we have a little woman here you know it's the same the same thing just different sides of that coin and it yeah, and I think um it can be isolating for men as well um you know
1: certainly yeah. it, it's one of the few environments where I felt very out of place yes, and and, yeah. and sweaty palms and not sure what was yeah. expected of me so it's a good it's a good role reversal experience yes, I guess yeah, um and yeah. uh, you know but great to to actually get the opportunity to do it as well yes
2: yeah and with regard to money i what i found with couples is that they manage it very differently sometimes it's all in one pot and it's our money other times it's in in separate pots sometimes the woman earns the money but the man manages it um, because he's just better at you know he's seen as better at it or he has decided that's his skill so um you know i definitely don't think there's one way to manage money as a as a couple but i think you have to have the conversation so that you are doing it in a way that you've both agreed to and that you're both happy, happy doing. And I think that's key. So it's just communication, really. Yes, yeah.
0: yeah. Like everything in yes, life, yeah. doesn't it communicate?
1: It's interesting. We just In the conversation before we started recording, we touched on, on well-being and, and um, corporate organisations, particularly in the US, there's a lot more discussion about employee well-being, employee engagement, um, so very interested in your thoughts around well-being for the individual and how that fits in the work environment
2: yes and um, there's a huge amount around mental health now and people really stressed um, because of the pressures of work and the pace at which we're working at the moment and I think um, there's a lot organisations can do to support employees and understand the sort of pressure that they're putting on them. There are some organisations that I go to, and they say people retire at 50. They're just burnt out at 50. They cannot do this job beyond that. And that tells you something about the pace in which the organization is really driving people. And if that's the right thing to do, I've seen so many people burnt out by the work that they have to do, whether that's because they have to travel a lot, um, the demands of late night calls and early mornings. people telling me they just don't sleep anymore and this is really detrimental to our health and well-being i really don't think work needs to be like this and i really think it needs to be rethought too often it's just this is the pressures of the job you have a senior role this is what it means to be in a senior role i think that people can really role model at senior senior levels different ways of working I think they can role model taking a lunch break I, can, I think they can role model role model not sending emails at midnight I think they can role model um, walking meetings or whatever needs to be done and I think that we also owe it to ourselves to switch off at times you know everything Benefits from being switched off at some time, at some point. If your computer stops working, they tell you to switch it off and turn it back on again. And I think we have to do that for ourselves. But I think if you're at the most senior levels of an organisation, what are you demonstrating in terms of your well-being? What are you demonstrating in the terms of your work-life balance, how you look and how you behave, and what you do? Um, and um, I was really honoured uh, uh, last week to uh, work with a group on a retreat. It was a group of very senior women um, from actually all over, from America, from France, um, from the UK... And they just took a weekend out and they were talking about how much they travel, how much they do, the fact that they've constantly got a suitcase packed, the fact that they're constantly going from time zone to time time zone. But they had taken a weekend just to reconnect with themselves and how much better that they, they felt for it and how much, you know, they came up with some brilliant work ideas, but they were switched off from work. And and I think that's what we all need to do, understand how we can switch off at times. Because our wonderful gadgets, you know, our iPads or smartphones or laptops, they're with us all the time. And it means that even though we think we're switched off, we're not quite often. And we have to actually take some time out to do that. Um, and, And we connect with what's important to us. We connect with ourselves. And reset ourselves on the new path we want to be on, so for me well being is key to our success and something that we we really need to focus on, and something that i don 't think we need to sacrifice for work and I think that 's what the I think that 's the mantra that has been touted around or people that are successful wake up at two o'clock in the morning and they start their day. You know, that those sorts of messages, which are quite macho messages, I think we need to move away from them and start saying, how can we be kind to ourselves? How can we be kind to each other? It doesn't mean that if you're the sort of person who wants to have this flexible day where you do start at two o'clock in the morning and then you have a nap from 12 to four and then you start again, that you can't, but that you don't expect everyone to work in the same way that you do
1: yeah And it's how does an organization design around that Um, so I have a a colleague for example who um, uh, has a home in America but travels a lot and works in Asia Pacific and for one of his ways of managing the the travel burden is he keeps to the same time zone so when he's in the US he's actually working the Asia Pacific Mm. hours and that's how he's chosen to work to to balance that and so everyone around him understands that that's his way of working so you might get an email at three o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. um, and everyone else who interacts with him understands right well i shouldn't have my device on by my bed in a way that it will be at three Mm o'clock in the morning and it certainly doesn't require an answer but it does require a level of conversation about preferred ways of working um, working styles and expectations of the organization yeah. about just because you yes. receive an email at a certain time doesn't mean you have Absolutely, to respond yeah. to it so mm-hmm. it, that flexibility and that well-being tailoring it around the individual mm-hmm. and then making sure that as groups come together and work together they they have an understanding of that
0: yes I've come across a lot of people actually taking um, emails off their phones now mm. um, I don't know if I've could personally do that mm. or they leave their phone downstairs at night time yes. i know other people that take train journeys just take train journeys just mm-hmm. to have some like just go off to a four-hour train journey yes. because the phones don't work yes. they can't get good emails but they just may do it every other month mm. just to have that downtime yeah. and just to have time to think yes. i think that's so i suppose <laughs> it's quite an unusual unusual thing to do but actually there is a method behind you know yes. there is something behind that yeah um so I think there's different things that people do now.
1: Yeah, I, I live in fear of when Wi-Fi is universally available on planes and um, you're expected to... Yeah. I, I get a lot of my best thinking done when travelling. Mm. Um, it's just having that time where you're disconnected from the wider world.
0: And listening to other people. Do you know what I mean? Like when you listen to other people, because that distracts you thinking, doesn't yes. it? Yes. And, and just watching the world
2: go by. Yes. Sometimes yeah.
0: actually just people watching maybe
2: yeah <laughs> absolutely to get some stillness really isn't it how can we get some stillness and not be um, worrying you know our minds constantly worrying and having to respond um, and I think for our own mental health uh, I think it's just key uh, I think we don't realise it until we switch off and then we think oh gosh I feel better mm-hmm. um, but when you're in the in the thick of it you don't um, and people it leads to overwhelm the, the, way, the way we're working currently um, and I think think it leads to a lack of productivity really busy fools Um, there's a saying busy is the new stupid so how could you know a recommendation for your well-being is how could you be less busy
0: and I think um, you just mentioned mental health as well Mm. maybe having that discussion at work um, I think mental health is all sorts of different issues mm. isn't it and actually feeling comfortable to have a discussion mm. with somebody at work if you are struggling
2: yes yeah breaking the stigma around having those kinds of conversation there's um i deliver some webinars around mental health so sometimes there's 150 people um on a webinar and i will find a, a good percentage you know maybe 10 percent will disclose something around their own mental health mm. and and that they haven't been able to disclose in the workplace um so if we think about that wherever your organisation, um, I mean, this is just you know me saying. But one in ten, maybe one in seven people are experiencing something, or someone close to them is, um, which is affecting them, um, and they might not be able to talk about it. So that that sense of can I be a listening ear? Can I let someone know that I'm here for them, uh, even if they don't necessarily want to disclose ev- you know everything that's happening? Um, I, I think is very very important. Yeah, yeah.
1: and. Alongside well-being, I, I hear increasing discussion of financial wellness and the, mm. the role that money plays in people's yes. stresses and anxieties. Yes. Um, and so we've talked a lot about people taking mm. control and exercising decisions, but we also recognize that there's, there's many jobs and many working environments where you don't have that flexibility mm. and you don't have mm. that control. And I think it's topical on a, on a day when another payday lender um, yeah. has, has pulled out of the market. Oh, really? So that was in who's, the news who's, uh, who's this morning. Out? Um, I forget the details okay. of the, they had, the company. had 3,000 complaints
0: um, in the first six months of this Ooh. year, so they've right. pulled out now. Yeah.
1: So just understanding, again, in the context mm. of the world that, that we live in from a, a payroll and, 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 and how people interact with financial wellness and understand mm. what they're getting paid, how they're getting paid. Mm. When We've talked about people actually understanding their payslip and that surprise for a lot of millennials in the first job that there's something called tax and it gets withheld and deducted from the payslip. So I think there's a lot of education opportunities and information opportunities um, that can help manage how people's financial wellness is is part of the overall sense of of well-being
2: yes and there are some organizations I don't know if yours does that that helps um, people to save as well so they're actually um, creating pots where people can save and then perhaps have the that bonus at Christmas or or whenever at some point in the year so yes that responsibility within that and and talking about finances we've talked about female breadwinners or breadwinners generally Um, there's also something about financial abuse in relationships as well that sometimes people who earn the uh, the biggest part of the income can withhold money from the other party and, and cause an issue so the financial wellness within organizations with also the financial health within a relationship about how how you discuss and manage um finances but yeah absolutely right helping people to understand how to make the most of their money um how to build wealth how to manage it um it's not something that's taught in schools um and people can stumble through life with quite a lot of difficulty yeah
1: yeah and i think potentially an opportunity for those in payroll who are very focused on the compliance part of their tasks and their compliance activities inside their organizations Mm -hmm. to actually use the data and information that they have to build a stronger relationship Mm -hmm. with the hr community and show um you know, how building internal financial literacy programs and helping people understand their pay slips and understand slips Just in a, in a global environment, as, as people get better information, there's more that they can do with their partners in the other functions to help uh, address different parts of the employee experience. Mm. If you look at your, your current role, what would you say is your biggest challenge in your current role?
2: I think the biggest challenge... Um, in my current role, but I think in work generally, is to focus on what's important, um, not what's just urgent. I think things are coming at us at such a rate. You know, if I, if I turn on my phone now, there's gonna, there are going to be so many emails and the same for everyone. Um, and I think there's just so much distraction. And I think as a result of that, I, I think it's really hard sometimes to think, what's the really important work that I should be doing today. That's going to make the difference for the long term. I think quite often uh, it's so easy just to, to go from day to day, from week to week, and not know the difference that you want to make in a year or two years. So my challenge is always trying to take that step back and think, what's the important work I need to do? And do that with my clients too. Okay, you're coming to me about time management for today. But actually, if we focus on why you do your work or the important things that you want to achieve, maybe that's going to be better than worrying about this small challenge that you have right now.
1: Do you think that people, or in your experience, do you find that your clients and the people you work with really understand what they're working for? Do people have a good sense or do they get caught up in the day to day and and just lose sight of that over time?
2: I think they get caught up and we need not that they didn't have that sense but I think you have to be you have to find ways to reconnect yourself with the really important work that you want to do or the customers you want to serve or the difference that you want to make Uh, and I think um, for me and for the clients I work with it is that that's that's a real challenge with that the constant demands and the constant information that's being thrown, um, thrown at them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the, that's one of the biggest challenges. Um, Yeah. And yeah, I think it's distraction. Yeah. Distraction. There's so much, isn't there? There's so much exciting, uh, exciting opportunities, wonderful things to find out, things coming at you on Twitter, interesting ideas to explore, how to just focus, on yeah on your on the path that you want to be
1: on so i think just in the conversation you talked about you know this what we control what we influence and the things that are out of our control mm-hmm. and then you talk about stepping back and, and taking a moment to sort of reassess mm-hmm. what are you working for what's the purpose mm-hmm. you know it, as opposed to getting caught up in the the detail so i think there's a, there's a couple of really great takeaways there of actually people control to a degree their time Mm -hmm. their focus they have that opportunity to step back and and, and reconnect with with what they're working for and then if they understand that and and they have the opportunity to and we talked at the beginning about bring your whole self to work Mm -hmm. and express your whole self in the work environment that feels like a recipe for for progress right we've we've talked about this being a journey it doesn't it doesn't stop there's there's a, a continual set of milestones that organizations and individuals have to pass but that feels like a great way of actually understanding what you control what you want to work on and then being very deliberate in in how you partake in work to to help make that happen. Absolutely. Uh, So that's really great advice and and Mm -hmm. feedback and really useful conversation. Thank you. Yeah, Great to speak with you both. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Jenny. It's been really inspiring and um, could have spoken all day. (laughs) (laughs) But um, thank you for spending time with us and um, we hope you join us on our next podcast. Thank you. This podcast is made possible by ADP Global Payroll, giving you the confidence and transparency to transform global payroll into an engine for growth. Begin your journey at adp.com forward slash worldwide and connect with your local global expert.